Welcome back to Chop Talk, everybody. This is your host, Greg Fahey. Thanks for everyone that's been listening. We're on episode 12 now, I believe. So thank you to everybody. Tonight on the pod, we got Nick Lapinto. I've known Nick probably for about five, six years now. Um, it's been it's been a great journey for him, and I'm excited for you guys. So we got to get to listen to him. Nick, how you doing? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. So before we get into everything, uh, can you just give people a little bit about your background and what you're doing and all that type of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So went to St. John's University. I like to start there because that's really where everything uh, in sports kind of took off for me. So worked mm-hmm. as a student manager for the men's basketball team there for about three years, three and a half years. And then when I graduated from there, I went out to Los Angeles and worked for Steve Lavin, who was our head coach um, at St. John's for my first couple of years and worked for him as like his personal assistant, executive assistant, and then uh, got exposed really to the media side of sports. And that's where I am now working as a sports agent for broadcasters. And we work with some coaches as well, but I'm at a company called the Montag group based out of New York city. So that's where I'm just outside of the city right now, but mm-hmm. uh, that's where I am. Yeah. Love it. And and that's why I really wanted to get you on just see, you know, there's been a lot of coaches on so far and whatnot, just to kind of, you were a manager, which a lot of former managers go on and do successful things. Um, but just to kind of get that other aspect of, of the broadcasting side and the agent side is really, really neat. When you were, when you were at St. John's as a manager, did you do that all four years? No, I did not. So, which is interesting because, you know, obviously becoming a manager is tough. I mean, there's a lot of competition. There's not that many spots. Um, and a lot of times you need to really know somebody to mm-hmm. get a position like that. So I looked out, I mean, I, my freshman year, like I was commuting from home you know, I'm a local New York guy. So I remember my mom was always joking. Like, you got to get involved. You got to do stuff. Like, you're, <laughs> you're home too much. Like freshman year, come mm-hmm. on, it's college. And I'm like, oh, I'm just doing my thing, going to class, coming home, like uh, whatever I wanted to do. And I, I joined one club to make her happy. It was, it was the sports management association. And I got to know a few people there and, you know, one, I love telling this story because there's a lot of like lessons within this one story. We had the last meeting coming up and it was on a day that I didn't have classes. And I was like, screw this. I'm not going to this thing. It was like one o'clock. I'm like still in bed. (laughs) And, uh, something was just like, you know what, get up, go to the last meeting and that's it. Then you don't have to worry about it. And in that last meeting, there was, I didn't know this at the time, but one of the head managers or he was about to be the head manager. Um, shout out Tommy Tizar. He was in the association as well and said, we're going to have a few openings. If anybody wants to apply, um, you know, come take this application, fill it out, whatever. And I did. And I got an interview and uh, they, you know, they liked the fact that I was local and um, I tried to keep up my grades right off the bat, which was important for me. So it just worked out. But so I, I really joined the team. It was like that spring semester, probably towards the end of the spring semester, my freshman year. And it wasn't even that I had the job yet. Like there were a lot of people in and out that were kind of right. testing, like, you know, you, you join practice and stand on the sidelines with a towel and kind of get a feel for things, get your feet wet a little bit. But it wasn't like I had the job and I didn't even know like when I would know if I had the job or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really kicked off. Like I, I probably became official around like that summer. Once we started like summer, you know, workouts and stuff, that's when I officially joined. And uh, it just, I mean, the experience as a manager is unlike anything else. Yeah, yeah, and and as people know, or if they don't know, I was a manager too, so it's kind of like a unique bond when you meet another manager because you know most managers are hustlers or grinders. They'll do the work that others don't want to do, all that type of stuff, and, and kind of like, I mean, it's a crazy story that you just told because if you didn't go, you don't know if you would have ever met Lav and it would have led to this. Right, yeah. absolutely. That's yeah, a- I mean, the managers, it's like a, it's a, like a fraternity. It really is, mm-hmm. and um, I mean, you know, the, the word grind, like, I know you're a grinder. I feel like all managers, like managers are grinders by nature, not like grinders by decision. Does that right. make sense? Yeah. Yep. And, and you have to be, I mean, the, the amount of stuff that you have to do and people don't realize, like my friends would always joke, like, Oh, what do you, you know, what'd you do today at practice? Like you hand out a water. I'm like, <laughs> well, yeah, I did, but I did a lot of other stuff too. Um, and you know, it's all building blocks and stepping stones for, um, you know, like, I don't know what really your experience was as a manager, but for me, I did start doing those basic, you know, tasks 
And then I ended up in the film room and I started doing, we didn't have a video coordinator under lab. Um, so it was really run by the managers and, you know, every staff is different and they were a little bit more, um, you know, lab wasn't that in depth with like what we had to do it was like offense, defense, breaking down games. And it was pretty minimal at that point, but like I, I got put in charge of that. And, you know, that really is what led to my re- building a good relationship with the staff and with lab in particular, which who obviously has been, you know, incredible, um, just a mentor, a friend, and opened up so many doors for me, taught me so many different things in life and in basketball and the industry, right? Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think – I kind of forgot where I was going. No, no, you're talking talking about (laughs) relationships because – and relationships are important with with that stuff. And and that's that's kind of what I also wanted to get to is when yeah. when you talk about building a relationship with Lav and obviously he's helped you and all that all that type of stuff to get to where you are now for managers that are are currently managers what would you say to that about building a relationship even if it's an assistant coach or a head coach because some managers they might not know how to do it maybe they're they they mm-hmm. aren't as open uh socially or or um they just kind of aren't really interested but for the ones that are interested what did, what there what were some of the things you did because clearly he noticed you and, and liked you, so you were doing something. Right. So what did you do to kind of get noticed and build that bond with him? Well, I think, I mean, first thing is uh, just having a positive, like, energy, you know, good mindset, good attitude, enthusiasm. Um, and that's, you know, that goes across the board in any job that anybody has in any career. Um, so I think it starts there. And then, you know, my dad, like growing up, like respect is always a big thing in like our household. Right. So after every practice growing up, you know, little league, whatever you would go, you know, shake the coach's hand, say, thank you after practice. Like, mm-hmm. So I, I did all of those types of things. Um, even when I got to college working for the basketball team, it was, you know, a totally different animal for me. Right. Like I go in, I didn't really even know what managers did. And, uh, yeah, and now here I am. And, so I, was, I almost think that maybe helped me in a way because um, I was, like, naive a little. Well, not, not naive. I think just didn't really understand, like, what the job entailed fully when I started. Yeah. Um, so clearly yeah, respect I mean, like, stood out for you, you you know, whether you're thanking them after every practice or every other practice or saying hello, you know, make sure you smile and shake someone's hand. Absolutely. I mean, just pop your head in. Like, I would literally just walk by his office and say, hey, coach, like, how are you doing today? That's it. And then, and then keep it moving. You know, you don't want to, like – take up too much time but like just little things like that I think started to add up and then being and this is what kind of I was getting at before when I got into the film stuff I was up in the offices right so that really helped me because you know a lot of times like we, we would have one of our coaches Rico Hines who's now mm-hmm. uh, with Kings a great player development guy um he would just yell from his office I need a manager I need a manager and like <laughs> I would always be right there so like I'd pop in and be like coach what do you need I got you and do whatever it was. So I think being in that role, I was kind of off the court doing a lot of background, like operational stuff with, you know, recording practices and stuff like that. And I had the opportunity to kind of be visible to the coaches that were up there in the offices and do, you know, just a plethora of different tasks, you know, whatever it may be. I would, and that's one lesson too, like just never say no to anything. Mm -hmm. I think that just builds you know, I started to build trust because anything that they asked me to do, no matter who it was and no matter what it was, it could have been the simplest thing. I'd go pick up, you know, we had a food truck behind our uh, practice facility, and sometimes they'd be like, can you go order me a sandwich? And I'd be like, yeah, of course. Right. <laughs> sure, right. I would love to do that. So, like, just be positive. Have a good energy. I mean, don't say – I still do this now. Like, just don't say no to things. Right. Um, because it just leads to building trust, and it leads to getting – eventually you're going to be asked to do things that do carry a little bit more weight and and you learn from literally every single task that you're given like that's another thing that I did I mean there's always a benefit out of it and I think you have to be open-minded enough to see that there's always a benefit even if it's you know maybe I you got to jump out of practice because I got to go pick up one of the coaches cars at the car wash like Mm -hmm. there's always there's got to be a benefit in there somewhere so if you are open-minded enough to notice that and maybe it sucks, you know, a lot of grunt work being a manager, and it's a thankless job, right? Because a lot of times, like, if you do get noticed, you probably did something wrong. Um, so I think just being optimistic throughout the whole process 
and knowing that all these little tasks that you do and say yes to is going to pay off for you in the long run. Yeah, and and that's hard to to see that when you're when you're 18, 19 years old and you think it's something you know someone's being disrespectful when they say you know go get their laundry or, or stuff like that. But you got to right. see the you see the big goal and you hit on hit on uh, something super important and that's just being visible. Being visible is is huge in in uh, especially in sports. And there, there's like, there's a quote I heard a uh, little while ago. It's the best ability or the best, uh, yeah, the best ability is availability and mm-hmm. um, just being available, like you said, because if you're available and you can constantly say yes, that's going to lead to more responsibility and it's not going to be laundry anymore. It might be, like you said, going to get coached from the airport or something like that along those right. lines. Uh, of all the things you kind of just listed and, and kind of went, went on about, um, which one of those are, are some other things that maybe you, you learned has helped you kind of in your day-to-day um, tasks where you work now? Man, I mean, the, the list goes on and on. I mean, it's, there's so many things, you know, beyond, uh, you know, just basketball, right? Like it, it transcends into any career path that you're going to go to. And that's why I think managers are successful. I mean, you mentioned that at the top, like managers in any career path and in any industry are generally successful and it's because of all those traits that you need to be um, in order to be a successful manager so i mean i think like where to even begin i mean all those things i mentioned definitely yeah. like i yeah. still apply to today um, don't say no is I a mean, big one that seems like that's a huge one huge one and and you know in sports like entry level positions right like you hear that term all the time mm-hmm. and those are the positions where you really have to uh, you know, keep your head up and, and say yes to all the little grunt work things that, that I mentioned before. So that's definitely a huge one. I mean, I think one thing also that was huge that I learned as uh, being a manager is just that there's no shortcuts. Right. I mean, like you got to be all in and you can't try, it could be the simplest thing, but like if you're not paying attention and you're not all in, um, it could be as simple as maybe you're on the sideline and you're half paying attention to what's going on. Someone falls and there's sweat. Mm-hmm. that doesn't get wiped up fast enough. And then the best player on the team like slips and tears the ACL or yeah, something yeah. like the smallest of things. If you're not paying attention to detail and if you're trying to just, you know, I'm going to take this play off or whatever it is. Um, it's not going to work. It's just simply not going to work. So like, I think no shortcuts is something still that I, you know, always try to live by. Um, mm-hmm. how to, I mean, for me, like more personally in what I'm doing now, just how to deal with different personalities and like egos and watching how the coaches handle it. I mean, that's huge. Like now I'm working with talent right? and that's half the battle is <laughs> like, how do you approach different situations based on how different every single person is? Yeah. Um, and you know, I mean, as like in your position too, I'm sure you got to do that literally every single day is assess that there's a, a you know problem that comes up. You got to assess it. You got to assess who who is it involving because not everybody takes the same type of, um, you know, criticism or the way you talk to them. Yeah, all um, different. So I, it's totally different. So I think that. I mean, I mentioned pay attention to detail. Like that's just so huge. Yeah. I mean, I, it's some of these things are simple too, but it's like you got to remind yourself to do it. Yeah, um, I, and I, then you know, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say just uh, you're paying attention to detail and not in not saying no and just saying yes to everything if you do those two things you're going to advance pretty quickly or someone's going to notice exactly and then another point too i'll I'll take your visibility and availability thing to the next level one thing that i learned being a manager is being visible and invisible at the same time Mm -hmm. meaning like how to be present and ready if you're needed and then how to be present but also kind of lay low where you're, you're not needed at that moment. You're there, but you're not like interrupting anything. You're yeah. not, you're kind of out of the way. Like yeah. it's hard to explain. No, having good sense. feel like, that could, that comes down to having good feel. Yes, Some kids don't have good feel. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's something like, you know, especially when I got to um, working with Lav on the West coast, you know, like I, I was working for him. I didn't work for Fox sports or right. for Pac 12 network. And they were all gracious enough to like bring me in as part of their family there, which I'm you know forever grateful for because it was some of the best times of my life being in the studio with all these different personalities and um, watching basketball with them. It was awesome. But like I didn't work for them, and I, and I knew that, and I knew that I was like you know sitting in the control rooms and like taking up space, and 
So I would try to even help out them. Like, right. like Lav, I was obviously always there to help him, but even if there is one of the other broadcasters and, you know, someone needed a coffee, I was like, I'm not doing anything. Like, like I'll, I'll go, I'll get the coffee and like not, you know, everything, the whole operation for the show coming up is going to run smoothly. Like, you know, it's no problem for me. So I always would try to do that type of stuff. Um, but because I always try to remind myself of that, like I am here and I'm lucky to be here right. and I probably shouldn't be here because I don't work for, for these people, no, but how do I like not get in the way, but also maybe show that I can add a little bit of value here and there for people. And I think like that goes a long way and it's, it's hard to, to do. I mean, you know, you have some kind of goes back to, uh, the grinders and, and the mentality that you need to be a manager. Right. But like, if you're not in. Um, the manager, if you're not a manager for the right reason, maybe you're just doing it because you want to be boys with the players and go to a party. Like yeah. you're not going to be successful with that either. So it, it kind of all ties into each other. And, and that's definitely something that I've tried to continuously remind myself of, especially working with, you know, some high level people and, and famous people. And when you're out with them and stuff, like it's something that you have to remind yourself to do. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And and we keep referencing that you worked for Lavin and for those uh, listening, obviously Steve Lavin, head coach of St. John's, head coach of UCLA. Um, you clearly got in with him through being a manager. You start working with him um, as an executive assistant. And then you, you t- already referenced, you, you went out to LA and then how important was in that time frame of working for him, networking to get to where you are today, like that side of networking. Right. Well, I mean, that, that was almost the purpose of it was, you know, I, so Lavin actually, I'll, I'll kind of take it a step back for a second. Lavin and his staff, unfortunately got let go at St. John's yep. at the end of my junior year. And because, you know, as you, uh, we've already said, like I developed a really good relationship with him and the rest of that staff. And I was feeling pretty good that, you know, there could be an opportunity for me when I graduated in another year and a half or so. Mm-hmm. And then Chris Mullen came in and, uh, and took over for him. And I was, you know, it was, I had a, my job was not safe. So I had to basically like re-earn everything. Yeah. Um, and it, it worked out. He ended up making me the head manager. And I thought towards the end of that season, I thought I was going to be back as the grad assistant. And I didn't find out that that wasn't going to happen until very late it was like a week before school would have started. And so I was like, man, I just wasted my summer. Like I didn't try to get a job anywhere. I I was kind of like stuck. I I have nowhere to go. I don't even know where to look. Like I I really thought I was going to be back at St. John's as a grad assistant. So I had to start opening my mind. to like, what else is out there? What do I have to, you know, change my focuses to? And Lavin was, he was the first one that was there to help with that. And he that's when he really you know offered me that job and to move out there with him and the goal really was to network and yeah. have a you know be on the west coast i mean there was a lot of personal growth stuff that was huge too um with that move but it was that was like the whole goal was to network and try to set up that next step for me in yeah. my career yeah and and i i think um, i want to i don't mean to cut you off but i want people to understand no. something that like you you moved across the country and you took a job for, you know, you weren't making a ton of money, but you were making some money, like whatever. And just like I took a job at Providence for, for, for next to nothing. And, and But you used that job and you just said you were in studio with not just lab, 10, 20, 30 other people that if you look at the big picture, now you're an agent. You could go after those people or you can network with those people, represent those people to, you know, advance your career and advance your goals. So like people got to understand you know, some people get a, a call. Oh, we want you to move to California. Ah, no way. I'm not doing that. Oh, we want you to work for 10 grand. No way. You're, you're crazy. But, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, everyone is able to do that, but if you can do it, look at what it did for you. You met so many people almost inadvertently. You knew going in, that was the goal for sure. But like, you just knew so many people by just being around again, it goes back to being visible. Exactly. And I'll, and I'll even make it a little bit more tangible. Like it's very clear how my like which connections and relationships led to each step so like obviously you know the relationship that i developed with lab was huge and that, that'll probably always be one of the biggest relationships that i you know make in this industry and in my life um but so i got out there because of him and was working for him and then it was one of the other broadcasters donnie marshall mm-hmm. covers the Big East for fox sports yeah. the former nba player went to uconn um, I became pretty close with him during that time. And again, it was more just like, you know, I'm there, I'm hanging out 
with him maybe after the show and um, doing stuff for him, minor things. Like I said, like I'd go get coffee or whatever for some of these people. And it was when I had come back from L.A., I didn't have a job yet. I had some interviews lined up at some bigger agencies, um, and I thought that they were going to work out, and I was kind of put on like a – This is after you were like done working for Lav, Steve? Is this what you're talking about? Yeah, so yep. I was still working for Lav, but okay. the season was over. Got it, got it. The college basketball season ended. So this is like after – really not long after the Final Four that we hung out in Phoenix. Yep, got it. Um, so it's right around that time, and season's over. Like We were hanging out still, and we were going to San Francisco, and it was awesome. Um, but I was ready to really, you know, start making moves and try to find something, and it just wasn't going to happen. So I had come back, and I was working just to, you know, fill time and to, you know, pay bills. I was a part-time landscaper. I was working part-time for Love my it. uncle's wealth management firm. Love it. And I was still doing stuff for lab. But it was minimal because it was the off-season. So it was during that time when it was a struggle. I was like, man, I don't know. You know, no jobs are coming available. Mm -hmm. I'm on a waiting list for this one agency for, like, a mailroom job. Like, yep. it's not even anything special, right? Um, and, it, and there were a lot of times that I was like, what, maybe I should just, you know, pivot away from sports and and look somewhere else at finance or whatever. And those were real thoughts. But what ended up happening, and this ties into the relationships, I go back to the Big East Media Day at Madison Square Garden. And Fox Sports, all the Fox people were there, so it was great to like reconnect with them after not seeing them for a few months. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking to this other broadcaster, Donnie Marshall, and one of the Fox executives, and the and they're both talking to me about like what I'm doing, and I'm telling them like I'm you know cutting grass and <laughs> and I'm going to New Jersey three nights a week, and uh, it was it was crazy. And they were like, wow, you know, you should talk to Donnie's agent. Like you guys would probably hit it off. Right. Um, his name is Gideon Cohen. And Donnie was like, wow, that's a great idea. Like, I'm going to set you guys up. So he connects me with this guy, Gideon. We hit it off. And then now I'm working with Gideon and uh, co-representing almost all of his clients at, at the Montag Group. So it was, like, very clear how, like, each step and each relationship led to another, um, you know, yeah, thing on the ladder yeah. during my career. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and it's just crazy how you're – because this, I think this happens to some people, especially in the sports world, where you say you were cutting grass, and you're like, ah, should I pivot away? And then a week later, you're at Big East Media Day or whatever, two weeks, whatever, a day later, you're at Big East Media Day, you're meeting someone that, that introduces you to someone else, you hit it off, and it leads you to where you are now. It's just, you, you never know when you're, you're this close away, you know, when you're, when you're an inch away and you're about to quit. Exactly. You know, it's 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 really crazy. So then you get with the Montag Group. Can can you just tell people, uh, just a couple people, um, that you represent or something? Can you just tell tell some people that that your your agency represents so they have an idea? Yeah, for sure. So we are a sports broadcasting agency. So it's mainly broadcasters. Like I said, we do have some front office executives and coaches. Um, we have a chef, like some other random personalities. But for the most part, it's sports broadcasting. And it's covered. we cover all sports, all networks. I think we have about like 75 clients at ESPN. So all the major ones, but also the smaller, you know, the digital ones, the over-the-top platforms, like Overtime and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and some people that I work with a ton, uh, I'll use some basketball people because those are Probably your yeah. bigger audience, right? It's all yep. basketball. Um, so, like, Nate Robinson, Kenny Smith, Carlos Boozer, Karan Butler, right. uh, Seth Greenberg, Paul Biancardi. So, it's, awesome. it's, a, it's a really wide variety of personalities. A lot. Some are former players. Some are, you know, grinders as well that went to journalism school. And then they, you know, was at, like, a local market in Arkansas. And now they're the face of the network. So, yeah, they blew up. it's pretty cool to have such a wide, like, client base that I get to work with. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's, it's a dream job. Like it's, I, I can't picture now. I was, I told you I was on a waiting list for that bigger agency. Like mm -hmm. we're pretty small and now I can't even picture being at a bigger agency, like just the way we operate and everybody pulls for each other, wants each other to succeed. And the culture we have is great. So I really love it. I mean, the, the company's awesome. Our clients are awesome and, and absolutely love the work that I'm doing. Yeah, no. It, and, and I feel like at a smaller agency, if I was a client of yours, I would feel like more of a family feel, I guess, versus like a big time agency. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, uh, there is like probably the biggest thing that we hear from clients at a bigger agency is they do sometimes feel like they get lost in the shuffle, right? And a mm-hmm. lot of these agencies have more than sports broadcasting. Like, we are just broadcasting. The other agencies have Hollywood and music. And I mean, there's so much stuff and sports broadcasting is such a little, little piece to those operations and those companies. So uh, for us, I mean, it's our bread and butter. It's what we do. We believe that we're, we are the best in the industry. Um, And that's why it's such a, like an honor to work with the people that I work with and learn from these people who have, you know, been doing it for 20, 25, 30 years and have incredible experience in the industry um, starting with my boss, Sandy Montag, who used to run IMG. So okay. he had that big agency feel, and then he decided to start his own company, the Montag Group. So, yeah, no, I'm just def- definitely blessed to be in the situation I'm in now. For Yeah, for sure. And and so what then, because everyone says, oh, an agent, and they got the movies and the Hollywood agents, and they kind of <laughs> get their yeah. idea of what they do through movies and, and whatnot. I know, I'm sure you do some of that too, but what's, What's a typical day or a meeting or what are some tasks that you do or you, you your coworkers do to, uh, to help your clients or what are some things that an agent does? Well, every day is different, which is part of what I love about it. Um, you know, you, you know, never know what issue is going to arise and what fire you're going to have to put out that day. Absolutely. Um, Firefighters. I say know, it all the time. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of different like responsibilities that I have, and obviously, you know, in a client-based business, you have to be pretty much on call whenever. You never know when someone's mm-hmm. going to need something or have mm-hmm. a question or an issue, um, so you're on call whenever, which is I actually like that. Like you, you know, keeps you on your toes. And um, and another thing that I learned being a manager, like sometimes you got to think quickly, you got to make decisions quickly, and uh, that's definitely something that is translated from being a manager to now too um but yeah i mean we do you know like the general thing that we do is there's contract negotiations trying to get people jobs with the various networks or teams and then there's so much that goes on between that right i mean that's just one thing and then you set the term and maybe it's a three-year deal and within those three years there are going to be a lot of things that come up maybe it's scheduling conflicts or um you know compensation payment uh issues like what there's so many different things that come up that we deal with um so that's like on the negotiation side and then you know then there's marketing and um but now like one thing that i I wanted to mention because we're in such a weird time right and things are changing and especially in our industry where there's been a lot of pay cuts and furloughs and and talent getting you know cut um because the networks are losing money because of the seasons and whatever there's all this yeah, chain yeah. reaction that happened. So I think now we're trying to be as creative as possible when it comes to content, looking in different areas like podcasts, um, finding personalities that are less traditional, like not your sports center anchor, but maybe your podcast uh, in a niche sport like golf. Like we work with these guys, no laying up. And we it's been a really successful partnership because it's a space that is really, really accelerating it was it was before the pandemic hit, but now that the pandemic hit, that's the way content is is going and how you have to produce it. And I mean, you watched, you know, ESPN and all those shows have been being done remote for the last six months or so. But something like podcasts, you can do it from anywhere. Yep. And um, the way that they're doing these digital shows now, you could do this stuff from anywhere. So like we've been trying to change our focus a little bit because of the time we're in. Um, so it's a, a lot of you know, recruiting, we still do a lot of recruiting of the athletes that are winding down their careers. Um, and now we're even starting to look at athletes, even at the beginning of their career, because of what I was just saying. Like, yeah. These guys now are starting their production companies, like mm-hmm. Chris Paul, Steph Curry, like all these guys are doing stuff now while they're still playing. So there's almost no need to wait. Um, but a lot of times they'll say, you know, if you get to them too early, like, oh, we're just focused on playing. And, you know, that's going to be a thought at the end of the career. Right. Um, but yeah, so I, that's all stuff that I no. do too, is we're, we're constantly thinking ahead and trying to get yeah. creative in terms of recruiting, think outside the box. I think you guys are, are definitely ahead if you're already kind of taking that, that path with podcasting, because I mean, you could just see it, right? Like Joe Rogan, 
announces that he's going on Spotify back in July or whenever, and the stock goes from like one sixty to like two twenty or something ridiculous, you know. So, mm-hmm. so, and I, I said this to my friends. I'm like, just wait, just wait till LeBron retires and they give him a podcast. Wait till, uh, you know, Luca has his own podcast if they don't already. You know, you know, wait, wait till that right. happens and and see how fast podcasting takes over. It's, I mean. Think about it. Like you said, it was it was ramping up before the the pandemic, but podcasting hasn't really gotten big, big. I don't know what the last five years, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it seemed like towards the end of last year, it seemed like there was a new podcast network coming up. I mean, like every week. Yeah, there was a new one. Yeah, um, and there was sure. thousands and thousands of podcasts. For, so, su- for sure. Um, do you, do you follow uh, Gary Vee at all? Um, I follow him. I don't watch everything that he does, but yeah, I mean, he's yeah. at the top of that, of that list there. Right. Yeah. And he's just, he made a great, he makes a great point all the time, just how, you know, the world is shifting to voice and no one really like, you know, realizes it completely yet. And, uh, kind of how, you know, when it, when the voice takes over in eight, 10, 15 years, podcasting could be at the forefront of that. But I mean, I mean, Nick, like I, I yeah. think I tell everybody, I think, everyone should have a podcast because and I've said this before but it's kind of a workout for your brain it, um you know and okay if you only get one listen or one download who cares it's it's a good conversation you know with somebody absolutely and bring it back to relationships it just helps you build and nurture these relationships and you I'm sure you learn probably something if not more than one thing every time you have a guest on yeah yeah that yeah. you probably then use in your own you know day to day at Siena and, and just in life in general. Yeah, uh, no, exactly. And then kind of getting back to all those tasks that you talked about uh, helping helping your clients out, is there something you do, whether it's in, you know, Outlook calendar or or just a pen and paper? Are, are there certain things you do to stay organized? Because I feel like, you know, especially in coaching, you know, you're always trying to stay organized and, and kind of figure out what works for you. But is there anything that works for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I always ask that question too because I feel like I could always be better. Um, I'll tell I'm you mine after you tell me guy. yours. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'd love to hear yours um, as well. But yeah, I mean, I'm a big reminder guy just because there's so many things that happen throughout the day. Like when what, I'm really, you know, what do you mean I'm, by like reminders? Said, what do you mean by reminders? So like I'll set actual reminders in my phone. Okay. Uh, and I'll do it as soon as something happens. This way, I don't forget. So it could be something simple like. Um, you know, maybe one of my clients has an interview on a radio station coming up next week. As soon as I get that confirmed, I'm setting a reminder so that I can then remind them and just kind of stay ahead of everything. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's like one example, right? But I I try to do that with everything. And as soon as I get something that I need to, you know, maybe do next week, I'll, I'll write it down. I have a to-do list that I constantly am, you know, I do it pretty much every day. I rewrite it. Um, and it just helps kind of prioritize things for the day and keep everything in mind that you need to do. And then, um, and then I set those reminders. So like, those are the two big things for me. I'm constantly, I, I'm a visual person. So I, I need to like write things down and like see it being written down (laughs) and then I'll remember. So I'm constantly writing. I have pads all over my little workspace Mm -hmm. and, uh, I'm writing down, you know, literally every names and numbers and, uh, it's just a constant and, and that gets a little unorganized. So like, that's something I wish I had a better way of organizing all of those little things that I do. Right. Um, but for me, it's just like, that's the best way I need to be able to, I need to write something down super quick and see it visually like on the paper. Cause then it registers with me. And then I set the reminders just to, you know, make sure I'm still out in front of everything. Yeah, no doubt. And, and why I asked you about the reminders is cause I, I do the same thing, but I, I honestly didn't mm-hmm. start that until, uh, probably a year ago when one of our managers, Danny Cohen, shot him out, uh, showed me it. So I'll just, you, you'll see me in the corner speaking to Siri, Siri set a reminder, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, I, I do the I do the to-do list. I'm a big to-do list guy. I think pen and paper is one of the most powerful things you have. Um, I, have a, I do have a whiteboard in my room that keeps me pretty on track because I'll wake up and just kind of look at the whiteboard, whether it's stuff I want to do, stuff I have to do, stuff others have to do, I got to take these kids to get a flu shot. I got to schedule, you know, this practice, whatever it is. I, I do have a whiteboard, right. which really helps me. And then from a from a basketball standpoint, uh, any ops guy listening, you you can try this too. If um, I just started doing this this year, 
if, let's say, three of our guys have physicals on October 15th, I'll put those three in a group chat and I'll name the group chat, like I'll, I'll name it October 15th physicals. So with like maybe like a, a doctor symbol or something. So now when I'm going through my mm-hmm. phone, that stands out to me and it, it's another level of reminding like, oh, these three have physicals. Yeah, I love that. It, it's funny you, you say that because actually sometimes I'll get calls, right? Like in the middle, I'll be in a meeting and I'll get a call. Mm-hmm. And that missed call, I like, well, forget about it. But if someone texts me, like, I won't, I'll make sure I don't open those text messages until I'm ready to, like, respond and, exactly. and have, like, an answer. Exactly. Be- because just seeing it there, like, you're constantly scrolling through your text messages. And, like, it's, it's just a constant reminder. So I do that, too. And, yeah, I have a little whiteboard, too, for, like, dates to keep in mind. Yep. So I, I try to do it so many different ways because it's so, things are so you know, they fall through the cracks so easily. Yeah. There's so much going on every day. So it's, it's hard to keep track. Yeah. Same thing with the emails. Like I'll read it. And then if I don't have an answer to it yet or whatever, I'll go mark as unread or I'll star it or something like that. So it still still stands out, you know, I, I actually set my settings are my emails until I physically mark them as read, they will stay unread. There you go. And that's just, that's been huge because sometimes, you know, early on I was like, reading something and then you get distracted naturally and then you completely forget that you got that email. So yeah, that's a, that's a huge thing too. So, so obviously staying organized is huge in any industry, but if you're managing people like you are, or or you're an ops guy, like I am, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's huge. Uh, That, you know, that's just, just as massive because you can't be the one to forget. That's, that's the biggest thing because you're always going to get blamed no matter what. Exactly. You know, right. even, I know at times I always think about that. Like at times I wish I had somebody to help keep track of my stuff the way yeah. that I have to keep track of everyone else's stuff. Right. Yeah. But it's, that's, yeah, no, it's huge. What, what, uh, like organ being organized is, is clearly a key, a key, uh, component of being a, a good agent. But for, for a young guy that might be trying to become an executive assistant and, and work his way up or her way up, like you did, what, what would be some things that mm-hmm. you would suggest for them? kind of to, to work on, whether it's being organized or maybe be, being, like you said, visible, but what are some things industry-wise, like specific that they could maybe work on? And for example, if a kid wanted to be an ops guy, I would tell him, you know, work on booking. If you coach AAU, work on booking all the hotels, work on booking all the flights, all the buses, take care of all the meals, and that will get you reps to be an ops guy. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I would say a lot of the general things that, we've touched upon already on here, like paying attention to detail, super important and, you know, being visible and invisible at the same time, super important. Um, I I would say you have to get experience at low levels. Like for, you know, me, it was, and for you too, like then being a manager and then being an ops guy, like you learn so much that translated into that role for me being a manager, all those different skills and, you know, critical thinking, problem solving, all that stuff translates now. But like I said before, too, learning how to deal with talent, I mean, you need experience in that. So mm-hmm. you got to try to be proactive and, and get yourself opportunities because that's not something that's really easy to find, like a low-level opportunity to, to do that, um, especially right now um, where a lot of these big agencies have let go a lot of those entry-level positions. But you, you need to get experience. I mean, it, there's, it's just it's that simple. I would say certain things – to like um you know i would get asked as a manager to do the the roster like of the planes and like do i forget what there was a word for it you probably know there's like a specific word for making sure like everyone's on the plane roster and everything yeah i would do stuff like that itinerary or the travel itinerary exactly yeah and then like order food and so i mean there's just so many things that you it's so hard. It's really. Uh, but hard I think question. what you're saying, Nick, too, is that all the tasks that you do as a manager, or all the tasks that you might do in a club on campus, if you just keep on taking on those tasks, they might look small, but they're actually preparing you for the next thing. But the key is to actually be involved in something and and, and do exactly. something. And and you're talking about managing talent. Well, you got to manage. If you're a manager, you got to manage 16 players maybe five coaches, two GAs, you got to manage, you know, 25 personalities on a daily basis. And right. maybe it's just right in front of you and, and you don't even realize. It. Exactly. You know, and, and, you know, with managers too, specifically, there's that like 
operation within the bigger operation of the actual managers. Like I, don't, I guess every staff could be different, but we really ran our, ourselves and kind of managed ourselves. Um, so the head managers and the more like senior people had that experience too of, of actual leadership roles within our managing group. Right. Um, and, and shout out to the, the three guys that I was with my age. I mean, I couldn't have gotten as much out of it as I did without these three guys, Sean Smith, who's at Hofstra University now, Chris mm-hmm. Quintana, and Justin Talavera. Like those, those guys, that was our core managing group as yep. we went through school. And, uh, you know, everyone had their own role, and we worked really well together and kind of picked up the, where everyone maybe lacked. Sure. Like each person was able to just work super well with each other. And, and, and it was a big thing. I mean, we, you know, working for two different staffs is a unique thing. Another great experience, though, like seeing the transition. And, um, again, everything goes back to relationships, but it was great because I got two different staffs of relationships to build and, and nurture and work for. And, you know, obviously certain ones from lab staff pay off now and certain ones from Mullen staff pay off now. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, I think there's – it's all about experience. I don't want to discredit, like, education too, right? Like, I mean, yeah, honestly, yeah, like, the yeah, classes yeah, yeah. and stuff is super important. Um, but but just it was that everything experience. that I learned as a manager, though, is really where I develop the skills and everything that I need to be successful in my job now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and you just touched on again with relationships. I I think that you do a really good job, and it's a testament that you came on this podcast that you do a good job, and and I think we both do a good job of keeping those relationships. There's a, there's one thing about making relationships. There's a whole other thing about keeping it. I mean, for for the people listening, I, I like I told you, I met Nick at the Final Four through another friend probably five years ago now. It's not like we talk every other week. We might talk once a month. Sometimes I'm sure there's two, three months that go past, but we, I almost feel like I could pick up where I left off with you, you know? 100%. So, yeah, and, and no, that's actually, you talk about to tie in getting organized, right? I actually had a spreadsheet in college mm-hmm. that I had every single name in the sports industry on the spreadsheet, and I would track when I last spoke to them, I put like key pieces of information, like when their birthdays were, because that's a great, yeah, you know, great, easy. Great it's one. like a low hanging fruit. It's great their birthday. One. Wish them a little happy birthday, or maybe it's a holiday, or absolutely. Um, you know, keep be interested in wanting to actually develop the relationship. Like you got to genuinely be interested in it. And like if you were to make a career move, like I would reach out. That's a big thing too. Like anytime someone makes a career move, you reach out, wish them luck. Right. Um, maybe get on the phone with them, talk just chat with them a little bit of why they made the move. Like those things go, it, it sounds so small and so minimal. And it, and it really is in the grand scheme of things. Like wishing somebody a happy birthday takes literally 15 seconds. I know. I and know. it goes such a long way. Yeah. I had the spreadsheet too. I have, I have something on my desk now, uh, Providence Manage. I've seen it uh, before when I was out there. It's, it's a map of the United States and I kind of color in mm-hmm. each state that I have a connection to and then, how, and then um, with people in it and then try to, stay on top of uh, those people. But like you said, it can't be like, it can't be a fake. It's got to be genuine and it can't, and it can't be, you know, something, um, you know, just, I don't know, basic, I guess I would say. But like you said, if you just add up the holidays alone, six, seven holidays, whatever a year you do that, but to get another, and a lot of people do that. So to get another level of creativeness, Mm -hmm. if you could do what you said and and get the birthdays, um, that, that, that would, that would be massive. To, to do yeah. that and i mean and it doesn't have to be on a special date right like i mean right. it also goes just as far just to randomly reach out and say hey thinking of you you know um hope you're doing well would love to catch up soon right. Done. and then it's something like that you never know uh maybe you end up having a phone call with that person and that leads to another opportunity for you yeah or, you know it could be it's just like a launching pad and, and nurturing those relationships staying on top following up with people is so huge right so huge right um And that's like, you know, when I was trying to find a job, this was when I was in L.A., I was reaching out to every agency that exists. And I would go, you know, grind LinkedIn and try to find all these email addresses. And I probably had like a like three percent success rate (laughs) on getting a response. Yeah. Um, But I'm still connected with those people that did respond. And we talk and like bounce ideas off of each other because we're in the same industry yep. and just following up with people. Now I do it like on the marketing side where we're cold reaching out to mm-hmm. brands, trying to connect them with clients or sponsor our podcast or whatever. Um, you're not going to get a response back initially off the bat, right from everybody, but you follow up 
and then you get their response back and it leads to a deal or it leads to, you know, a, a brand partnership with a client that goes a super long way with that. So following up, uh, nurturing those relationships. I mean, you, I just can't stress those things enough. Yeah, I, I call it like keeping keeping your jab sharp. Like you just want to touch them on mm-hmm. the chin. You don't want to knock them out. Just touch them on the chin. Keep your jab sharp. <laughs> it, it could be as simple like as that. it could literally be as simple as. Hey, coach, just checking in. Hope all is well. Hey, G, all is well. How's the fam? Good. Bang, bang, bang. Four or five text messages back and forth. That's it. You know, just check in. Keep your jab sharp. And, and, and so you don't, because uh, a lot of kids will, or a lot of people will, and, and I'm sure people have done this to you, they, they won't talk to you for eight months, and then they can, then they figure out a way, oh, Nick knows that guy. He might be able to help me. They'll text you. They'll ask mm-hmm. three to seven generic questions. How's the family? Is the weather out there? Good. You know, how you been? And then the eighth question will be like, oh, by the way, you know, Mike Smith, who just got hired here. Can you help me out? And and now you just look not. The, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. You like shoot your shot. But now if there's right. another kid that has been saying, you know, hey, Nick, just checking in. Hey, Nick, congrats on getting getting on the new job. Hey, Nick, saw saw, uh, you know, your family did this, whatever the heck, you know, and, and now right. he reaches out. You're going to be like, oh, well, Johnny's but I've been talking to Johnny once a month. I'm going to I'm going to, you know, vouch for him. Exactly. And I mean, I, I think what you said too, I mean, you can't fake it. I, I think it's so no. easy to yeah. realize when someone's BSing or, or just reaching out because they want something or need something. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I feel like you're the same way too. Like I, I genuinely enjoy keeping up with people. Like I, I love meeting new people. I love hearing everyone's got a story, especially in our industry. I mean, how many different stops, you know, coaches make right in their career. Like yeah. I love hearing this background and who they worked with and, Everyone, you know, knows each other. So you find like common connections and stuff. I genuinely love that. Um, So for me, it's more just staying organized and um, setting again, those reminders for me to do that. But like, I am genuinely interested and I think it's helped me um, be successful because I have like, I feel like at at a pretty young age and I I think you're the same way. um, Like we have a wide net you know and it it goes a long way and it it goes beyond maybe just college basketball or coaching you know it goes all in so many different areas and so many different parts of the globe too right because i mean at st john's we had so many global international kids that played and i try to keep in touch with all of them so i mean for me it's more just staying organized but like i am genuinely interested in checking in with somebody and seeing how they're doing and and not for anything like I, I don't need anything from you know and maybe one day I will and then it will come naturally and it'll right. be good but like I genuinely just want to keep in touch with you and and Clinton shout out Clint yeah um yep. you know like all these guys so I think you definitely don't want to fake it no. and if you can be interested um it just goes such a long way yeah and and I think just being consistent too and and not making excuses like everyone loves to say oh I don't have time but if you really break it down I don't know um I don't know what's the average commute for somebody to work 20 minutes each way, 40 minutes. If you can hop on the phone and, you know, have a 10 minute conversation with four people and, and, and do that five days a week at the end of the week, you have 20 people at the end of the month, you've just touched 80 people take the summer off and only do 10 months, 80 times 10 is 800. You know, like you got, yeah, you, exactly. you, you can touch people. Don't listen to music. Don't listen to music. Instead of listening to music, call people. And, or, you know, or if you're on the train, instead of scrolling on TikTok for an hour commute you know, <laughs> each way, take those two hours and text somebody or, or, or reach out. Um, yeah, no, I like it. What, the, the other question I wanted to ask you, because you do work with a lot of high-level people and have been around a lot of high-level people, what do the best people you work with do consistently that you notice like, man, this guy's consistent with this, or man, this guy does that anything. What, what have you, what stands out? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think the answer is right in your question. I think it's just being consistent. Like all these people, whether it's preparation, you know, like these broadcasters, like there's a lot of preparation that has to go into this and take some of the former athletes as an example, you know, they maybe say to themselves, we've seen this a number of times where they think it's easy. And, uh, you know, they know the game. They just played the game maybe for 15 years, and now they're going to sit behind a booth in a suit and talk about it. But it's not that easy. You still got to gotta prepare and put the time in and grind a little bit. Um, so I think the ones that are most successful are – and that's just one example, right? It's preparation. Yeah, preparation. But just being consistent 
and that that could apply to uh, you know a number of things that we mentioned already on the call, but on this podcast, but like um, you know your mindset, your attitude. Mm-hmm. Someone consistently has a positive attitude. Like those people are successful. A lot of the people I work with, they are big, bold personalities, and um, you know sometimes they may be a little rough around the edges, but like for the most part, like there's not one person I work with that I don't want to work with. Right. You know, we work with really good people, and and they've all. You know, some of our younger ones obviously are rising, but the ones that are at the top, I mean, there is a reason why they're at the top. Yeah. And it's because of their consistency to bring it every day. A lot of them are, you know, what you see on camera is what you see, what you get off camera. Right. It's authentic. It's genuine. Um, so I think those things are, are, are the biggest. I mean, consistency in any aspect is huge and in any industry, right? I mean, for playing, right? I mean, you're, you want your guys to be consistently making sharp cuts and like setting good screens and taking high percentage shots. Um, you know, for, for me, it's like, I want my broadcasters to consistently show up every day and put in the time and then have a great broadcast, have a great game, have a great show. Yeah. Um, so I think consistency, it's right in the, in your question. I think that right. would be the, the number one thing there. Uh, yeah. I, I think consistency is the ultimate life hack. And I think, consistency is the shortcut that everyone's looking for. Like when you're consistent, mm-hmm. it's ridiculous what you can do with your life. And I got to be consistent with a lot of things, but I think that the most successful people or driven people I've been around have definitely pre- you know, preparation, consistency. And, and honestly, what I've noticed in the last, you know, couple of years between coaches or when I had uh, my training business and I was working with kids and I saw their parents who were real successful, they all do some form of working out and I, I need, I need to work out more too. But I mean like, it, and it's nothing, and I'm not saying they're at the gym seven days a week, but they do some type right. of, you know, Oh, just got off the Peloton, just got off a run, just did some push ups. They do some type of fitness. So I found that, I found that pretty interesting though. But um, yeah, I mean, I think routine, right? Like consistency and having a routine is huge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we're coming up on a, an hour here, so we try to get our mm-hmm. get our shout outs in. Basically, what we do, Nick, is we let the guest shout out a couple people, three, four, ten people, doesn't matter. Um, and then you shout out people, I shout out people, and that's kind of how we conclude the episode. So if you want to give some shout outs, doesn't matter who, you're more than welcome to. Um give a shout out to a couple guys in the basketball world uh, from St. John. So on Mullen's staff, I became really close with a few people on that staff. And actually one of them leaked over from last staff, but Luca Virgilio, shout mm-hmm. out Luca, shout out Verge. He's now the director of operations at Nebraska, yep. for their basketball team. Um, and then shout out Drew Anthrop and Greg St. Jean, Greg St. Jean, his father was Gary St. Jean, GM, former GM and head coach in the NBA. And now Greg is, with the Lakers in the finals. That's why I want to shout him out. Nice. Um, he's a player development guy. And then Drew Anthrop, who, I mean, I learned so much from, from these guys just, you know, in life and basketball and, and preparation and grinding. I mean, these guys are grinders. Um, and Drew is also on that staff with the Lakers in the finals. And, and uh, he's a video coordinator and does player development as well. So just huge shout outs to them. Um, and now, so now you go. Is that what yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now yeah, yeah. So I always shout out. Cool, I, like my, I like always shout out my boys back home that that own a pizza joint, Pizza Palace, best pizza in Morris County. Shout out to Pizza Palace. Then I got to shout out Chop Talk. You know, just try to keep it going. I appreciate everyone listening and all that type of stuff. I'm gonna shout out St. Benedict's where I got my coaching start. They do have a new documentary out on Quibi or QB, however you pronounce it. Um, and, and it's really good. If you guys are interested in in any type of basketball or a great story st benedict's is a special place i'm fortunate to have to to have started my career there check out the documentary it's a 12-part miniseries no episodes really longer than eight minutes it's pretty cool so check that out shout out st benedict's coach taylor father ed tom lay all those guys art pearson shout you guys out um it's been fun nick i appreciate you coming on man yeah man thanks so much for having me this was a blast absolutely